The Olympics are in Vancouver. Is that British Columbia? Well, Pam, there's really only a few things you need to know about Canada. There's Newfoundland and Labrador, Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. Prince Edward Island's very small, but British Columbia tops them all. And that's where Vancouver is. But before I finish up my story, you should know the territories. There are only three, so I'll be quick. The Yukon, Northwest, and Nunavut. If you want to have a ball to Saskatoon and Montreal, and if you want to pack your sacks, we'll be going off to Halifax. And if you're looking for a wife, be sure to visit Yellowknife. Natural resources! Perennial geraniums, nickel zinc uranium are filling up my cranium, the exports that they boast. Keep going? No, no. please. We're good. Thank In you. Greats. So I'm saying science is absurd to say that you are a biological robot, that you, you don't have any free will, you don't have any control of your, of, your, of your mind, of that little voice inside your head. Okay, guys, welcome back to a Merry Christmas edition of the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be talking with Alice Takaris of Skeptico. Alex. Alex. What did I say? Alice. Son of a bitch. Sorry, Alex. Um, but first, the uh, Ramblin' Gram. Ramblin' Gram. Oh, is that what you're going to say? Hey, I'm also <laughs> I was psychic. trying to think of something festive, but I couldn't think of it. It's not really a Christmas show. It's just being done on Boxing Day, which in Canada is kind of like a stat holiday usually. Yeah, so it's on sale. It's on sale, yeah. Actually, it's going to be a short one too because i got to run here, so i got to get right into it. So we've got Alex Sakaris from uh, Skeptical Podcast on. He's got a new book out called why science is wrong about just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should uh, kick up all sorts of shit. Uh, of course we've had Alex on the show in the past. Uh, everybody seems to love, uh, love his episode and love his show. So that's uh, he's nothing new to you guys. Of course we were surprised to find out he was a fan of our show, but yeah, that was great. But, uh, yeah, that's very uh, humbling. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, if you haven't heard of them, definitely check them out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a great, great podcast. Uh, I'd have to check the money bomb. I don't think we're anywhere near. No, but we want to want to thank somebody for uh, donating and getting a T-shirt. We're going to send it oh, out. Yeah. He says, "Send the large bitches." Who was it again? Oh, you have to ask me that. Uh, shouldn't send his last name. Don't say his last name. Don't, no last name. Really? It's Mark. Mark H. Mark H from, uh, and I, I do know where he is residing. Oh, he's a Canadian, fellow Canadian. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a sub, too. Sweet. So we, we haven't Thanks, got it. buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's great to see the subscribers. I was thinking maybe next episode uh, for the New Year's episode, I might rattle off the subscribers and give them a thanks. Uh, but, yeah, we haven't got any new ones since me and Joey offered to do more mushrooms. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I know. I guess people, I think we got less. Maybe, uh, maybe on someone unsubscribed once you've heard it uh once you've heard it once uh, i guess that's all you need to hear yeah exactly so i do have some uh some feedback that you sent me there i wanted to share with everybody about the show yeah i'm just trying to scroll down to it here um yeah this guy's from the states and this is recent feedback so it's good he's uh says okay dudes uh eight four one oh nine that's his handle i guess i usually don't like shows where the hosts are drunk or stoned but these guys seem to be able to function just fine. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. So, 
like Darren said, that's a chance for me to reiterate that I'm sober all the time. Don't drink or do drugs. Can't say the same for the other side of the studio, but I don't. Uh, I don't drink or do <laughs> drugs either. <laughs> what? Well, anyway. Anyways, I don't know what he's talking about. No, but uh, it's a, that's what why we have such a good balance here in the and the with this podcast. So I have nothing against it whatsoever. Just so you know, we're not both always hammered. I've never hammered. That's true. Maybe one episode. Yeah, earlier on you tried drinking a couple times. It was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe during the Grant Cameron episode. I I think think, I I think so. Three hours long too. I was kind of buzzed by the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got another one from Hank Scorpio zero one one. Did I say this one? I hope not. Uh, Hank Scorpio. He's a YouTuber. Great show, guys. I really enjoy the layback tempo as well as the intro format with the profound UFO quotes. Uh, quick chats and friends and guests and money bomb. I stumbled upon your podcast recently while looking into Randall Carlson's work on the younger dry ass. Listened to the entire episode and really enjoyed it. I like the theme of the show and the subject matter that you guys and the guests discuss in the interviews. Yeah. And, and then home, home, zoo, home to zoo <laughs> says, uh, love the topics and interactions between the hosts. They don't interrupt the guests, but let them talk. Yes. We try to do that. I try and let the guests talk. We do. Yeah, Harold Harold commented. I don't know if I ever talked to you about that, about the crop circle, circle episode. He was quite astounded by we were how polite we were with Matthew Williams, the crop circle maker faker, and and uh, and also about how we basically put two of those crop circle episodes out and gave everybody like the full spectrum of you know like both sides of the crop circle phenomena. Right. So he was thanks Harold for your feedback on that one. I didn't read the whole, he sent me quite a long email there about that, but, and he also said that we let him talk, right? I had opportunities to interrupt him and give him my opinion, but we let the guests speak. And he said, uh, he thinks we all came away better for letting that episode roll the way it did. So thanks Harold. And we're still making a crop circle. I don't know. I'm not, but I'm not buying into that yet. We'll see. I'll make it and trick you. <laughs> 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 I won't even tell you. Oh my god! Oh, come Sorry, there. buddy. What if I get healed? You'll be able to tell by the look on my face. Imagine if I was one that spotted it. All right. Good feedback about the profound UFO quote of the week too, and I've got one here. Ready? This is Graham's profound UFO quote of the week. Uh, reports of anomalous aerial objects, AAO, appearing in the atmosphere continue to be made by pilots of almost every airline and air force of the world, in addition to private and experimental test pilots. We're not dealing with mental projections or hallucinations on the part of the witness, but with a real physical phenomena. That's from Dr. Richard Haynes, psychologist specializing in pilot and astronaut human factors research for the Ames NASA Research Center in California, Chief of the Space Human Factors Office. No Christmas UFO quote? Uh, no, I didn't even think about that. That's kind What of do you think about that one, though? That's pretty good, eh? I think it would have been better if it happened on Christmas. Nah, it was pretty good. Thanks, buddy. I won't uh, fuck with you too much on it. That's it? Only one? Yeah, that's it, man. That's the last UFO quote of the year, probably. Uh, well, we might have one more. We might be squeaking out another episode, right? For 2014. We might be. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't know that for sure yet. Yeah. Anyways, 
But we do have Randall Carlson coming out again soon, right? Soon. Yeah. Yep, we do. Um, I like my new headphones. Yeah, like, yeah, nice Christmas presents, buddy. Nice mic, too. Big black mic there. Big black mic. It looks like a big black dick. You got your mouth around it. Jesus Christ, Ron. This is a PG show. Yeah, you should edit that part out. Sorry. I stepped over the line. You you, you would have thought it would be you. (laughs) I'm not editing shit. No, it sounds pretty good. I like it. It Yeah, I like it a lot. Christmas present from my wife and my girls. Nice. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I got some more uh, stories for you. Spam like? Yeah, spam like. You you sent them to me to read out. So. This is from Freedom of Se- Six One. You don't say ham, you say spam. Yeah, that might have blown some people's eardrums there. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, thanks for spamming Graham. Or you can tweet Darren at, at Gramerica. Usually you read the spam. What? After the jingle. Yeah, okay. I had this experience one time. This is from Freedom Mist 617. I was walking home from the subway one early evening in fall. As I was walking, I saw a woman picking through the trash wearing old tattered clothes with her hood on. It was just the two of us on what is usually a fairly busy street, which I noticed and thought it was odd as well. As I got closer to her, I looked. she looked up at me, and her eyes were completely black. She kind of looked Asian, and her skin was very pale. She stared at me with a look of pure hatred, like she wanted me dead type look. I got chills and goosebumps. I crossed the street to distance myself from her. After I walked a little further, I gathered enough enough balls to turn around for another look, but she was gone. Another weird... Another weird... Where am I? I just lost myself. Another weird thing after I thought about it was she had no shopping carts or bags that most of the, you know, the gatherers have with them. Uh, like homeless gatherers or black eyed kid gatherers? No, homeless gatherers. Agreed. Now shopping li- carts. Now living in Boston, I see a trash can pickers all the time. This was definitely different. It was a truly weird experience. Boom. Boom, and then there's a reply to that from Mrs. Ms. Blue Ryan. I had the same thing happen. Auckland, New Zealand, 2001. I was a chef in a cafe attached to a public swimming pool. That's kind of weird. Didn't realize that the first time I read it. I was the first one to, to arrive and open up the cafe. I suddenly got startled by a man in black, about 5 foot 10 inches, Asian in appearance with black eyes, no whites. My skin crawled instantly, and I felt a sudden fear, like I was about to be eaten, and no one would know because I was alone. He was very rude, and he smelled like death, but was dressed very well in a black suit with a fedora hat. I said, I didn't hear you come in. He smiled weird and said he wanted the breakfast special. (laughs) That seems more like a man in black than a black-eyed man. What? Oh yeah, both. Yeah, both. It's a black-eyed, black black-eyed man, man in black. Black-eyed, black man. Yeah, in black. Sorry, yeah. Asian. He fucked that up. Yeah, I know. Fuck. Okay, so she followed the orders and went into the kitchen to microwave a veggie bake for him. I was guessing he was some type of food inspector, so I wanted to make sure he got the works. It took about seven minutes. He was furious me with me when I got back and took the meal to his table and said you took too long and stormed out. 
I just knew there was something weird about him. My colleagues arrived, and I mentioned the strange encounter. We checked the surveillance camera. No way he was real. No one came through the entrance. He just appeared. I dodged a bullet that day, I believe. I have never forgotten this. He wasn't human. But a boom, boom. <laughs> Creepy, eh? Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. But those are both on DW. The DW? David Weatherly. Yeah. That was oh, over a year ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, those are creepy. I've never seen one, luckily. No, me neither. But if I do, I'm going to punch it in the face. Why would you just be violent all of a sudden? What if you're wrong about it? Then it was still going to be a black-eyed kid one way or another. <laughs> a black-eyed kid bleeding red? Sure. It sounds like there's a joke in there somewhere. If there is, we're not smart enough to think of it. Uh, so like I was saying, it doesn't look like we're going to hit the money bomb this uh, month, but uh, we should be good. We'll be good for January for sure, I'd say. So hit that up, greatamerica.ca slash moneybomb. Uh, subscribe, support the show, value for value. Uh, this is the only income we take is what you wantonly donate to us. So Yeah, there's no corporate sponsorships or anything like that. No ads, no... Even no, uh, no Amazon portal. Even this is like strictly like listener donating to us to help us pay the bills because there is an expense every month. We have expenses. Seems to be going up. Yeah, it does seem to be going <laughs> up. <laughs> but we're getting more donations too. Yeah. And if you want a T-shirt, twenty-five bucks get you Grand America T-shirt. Take a look on the website. I think you got pictures of it on the website, right? On the Twitter. Yeah, and feedback always helps. Like, it's it's great uh, reading that feedback, and that helps the algorithms boost us up in, uh, you know, and so that we get kind of higher up in the iTunes ratings and stuff like that. And you can leave a voicemail from the webpage, too. That would be cool to get more voicemails and uh, sign up for the newsletter or sign your friends up for the newsletter. Yep, america.ca slash news. Sign up as many people as you can. Um, support the show. Of course, if you can't support the show, maybe you could just get us a review for Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Send in your stories, psychedelic stories, yeah. strange encounters, UFO sightings. Yeah, I think whatever. We'll, we'll brush off synchronicities and shit till the next episode. Right. Um, keep it short and sweet as we are both on holiday with things to do. But of course, we will keep our shows coming out. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it, eh, buddy? We got, uh, oh, we, we should mention we got a Carl, Coral Castle episode coming up with a guy kind of like a mad scientist kind of guy who says he's figured out how Ed Leed Skellen built the Coral Castle. Like, this is going to be, uh, I don't know, we might Crime be one American of the first. American exclusive. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. And then we got one on the undying stars, too. I think solar astrian symbolism and stuff like that. That's probably not a word, but. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have Ed on, too, here pretty quick. Ed Nightingale? Yeah. 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 So anyway, guys, enjoy the interview with Alex. And those are the ones that aren't on the backstage. Go to the backstage to see the other ones that we are coming up with. So we're busy, busy, busy in January. Busy as fuck. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. Yeah.
Okay, guys, in Grimerica tonight, we have uh, Mr. Alex DeCaris of Skeptico. We're going to be talking about his new book, uh, Why Science is Wrong About Almost Everything. Uh, but first, Graham, how's it going, buddy? Uh, not bad. Not bad, Darren. I thought you were going to change up the style of our little intro there. Uh, habit. <laughs> Old habits die hard, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So no, we're excited here. I, uh, I've i read Alex's new book there, Why Science is Wrong About Almost Anything. We'll talk to him about if he's going to stick or why he stuck with that title, I guess. That'll be a controversial uh, topic there. But Alex is, uh, as people probably know, because we've talked about his show and Alex on this program quite a bit, but he started that uh, Skeptical podcast quite a few years back now, and he was just sort of following the data, and then he realized that... Uh, this paradigm we're in is more dogmatic and challenging than he first thought. So we stepped it up and kind of joined the battle. And now we're ready for a skeptical 3.0, as he'll tell us. And we're happy to have him back on Grimerica. Welcome, Alex. Hey, thanks a lot, Graham, Darren. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, man, I loved uh, I did listen to your book on my new app, Voice Dream. You're going to have to try that out. It was it was a very good book. Uh, you know, of course, being familiar with Skeptico, I'd, I'd heard I'd heard some of it before. Uh, you know, in the in the podcast, which was kind of a neat twist because you had your podcasts, uh, some of it transcribed into your book. So we could start anywhere, but why don't we start at like you, your uh, the genesis and when you th- thought about uh, making your paradigm into a book? Well, you know, I had really resisted the idea of book. You know, and it it wasn't really on the radar, which sounds strange because it seems like everyone who has a podcast has some aspirations for a book. I really didn't, and it really came about through listeners and talking to listeners and kind of seeing that there was this little gap between. And, and you guys know this yourself from putting together the show. You know, you start compiling a lot of this content. And you're moving through the content as well, you know, so you're bringing these listeners through it. But but you're gaining understanding and you're having twists and turns and new yeah. understandings. And at some point, how do you bring that all together for somebody? You know, you can't pack it into every show and say, now, wait a minute. What I'm telling you now really references about 10 other shows and let me string those together. So I felt I felt really good once I got into the book project and I felt like, wow, this is really – this is really – useful and and it's meaningful and to me at the end it did it did kind of bring into focus the extent to which we're really caught up in this absurd idea that science has led us towards which is you know you mentioned the book's title (laughs) and it is kind of provocative but I, i tell you the more i wrote about it the more i wrote you know this is the right title for this book because the idea the basic idea is that Science has totally dropped the ball on consciousness, right? So science is wed to this materialistic notion that you are your brain. You are a biological robot is what I always say on on Skeptico because that's what what science is telling us. You are a biological robot in a meaningless universe. And the truth is that scientifically – that has been completely falsified over and over again. And yet we're, we're kind of jammed that idea. And if you get that wrong, you know, if you're science and you get that wrong, you, you really get a lot of other things wrong. And I, I mean, you, you, you get wrong our day-to-day experience because that is consciousness. You get wrong 
where does our self start? Where do we begin? Where do we end? What happens after we die? All those things, it can't possibly get right if it gets this consciousness thing wrong. So it's kind of out there to say it's wrong about almost everything, but I'd maintain it's, it's about the big stuff. It's just flat out wrong. Yeah, you, you pretty much stick to consciousness in your in your book too and in your in your show, but I I find it funny in the day to day life that it's it's wrong about all kinds of other stuff too. Like you come across examples all the time, like, you know, butter butter is now supposed to be good, or fat fatty foods are supposed to be good, or cholesterol is good. Milk is not good, it's bad now. You know, it doesn't do a body any good. Like so it just shows you how we've been stuck in these paradigms for decades before something breaks it open and some other, some new, you know, new science comes out. And now you've got the global warming battle where you've got some scientists saying it's, it's, uh, it's actually, we're in a, in a freezing cycle and the whole propaganda and the corporate bullshit about global warming. And like, they're so far apart. We're so far apart. How can it just keep going like that? Well, you know, the, the way, the other way I think that relates and I, 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 kind of was having a similar thought when I was listening to your show. And just the other day, I was listening to that excellent interview you did with a guy that I really loved and listened to his radio show for a long time, Dan Carlin, you know, and oh. he does hardcore history, right? But but his take on anything conspiratorial yeah. is oh, just, yeah. It, yeah. It's just, it's just loony. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's the parallel, right? So I'm saying science is absurd to say that you are a biological robot, that you, you don't have any free will, you don't have any control of your, of, your, of your mind, of that little voice inside your head. That's an absurd idea. You could tell it to your kid, you know, and fifth, my youngest daughter is in sixth grade. She would just laugh at that. That's ridiculous, right? Well, I kind of feel the same way, you know, that, that when we approach these topics, you guys deal with a lot of really controversial topics too. But I'm listening to your interview with Dan Carlin. I'm going, hey, th- this is, it's absurd, you know? I mean, we can't even, JFK, you know, we can't, e- even the United States government has come to the conclusion that JFK was a conspiracy. That was the latest panel that they convened, the official, you know, congressional panel concluded that it was a conspiracy. You can't even come over to that thing. So my point is, I think these kind of absurdities that we we deal with are all over the place. And I think they undermine our our value of science, the, 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 the stock we put in science. So yeah, that I think that's true, Graham. I think we're we're we hear this stuff and we're not surprised. We hear that, you know, here's a total reversal on cholesterol or, you know, antidepressants don't work. And we're like, yeah, well, why am I not surprised? You know, it's just another absurd idea that, you know, gets overturned. Isn't butter good again, though? That's what I That's what I said. That's what yeah. I, one of the big examples. Like you're hearing that come out now, right? And uh, so you just, so what do you believe anymore? What do you believe? What you want. Even my mom says that. She doesn't know what to believe anymore. And she watches a lot of the mainstream news. So thank God she's thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get Danny onto no agenda, but he won't bite. He won't, eh? Yeah, it's, it's the whole podcast format is tough for older people. That's, that's what it is. It's like they just have this. To jump into the whole on-demand thing, it seems, it seems like a, for some reason that's a challenge. It should be super easy. Like, here, you can listen to it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's tough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, some people are just setting their paradigms. Like, you know, you just, if you try and, we've had a few guests like that, that you try and, and budge them in one direction and, and it kind of coming back the other way too, right? Sometimes you hear something that's a little far out there and as soon as you try and, you know, say anything on the other side, you get the same thing. So it seems like no matter where you look, everyone sort of has a dogma. It's hard to, maybe it's hard to stay, staying in the middle is a rare fucking gift, I guess. Maybe we're more rare than we, than we thought. Well, you know, there's a lot to kind of parse out there, you know, because I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I, I had a guest and I won't say who he is because I really, really like this guy and respect him. But on this one issue, you know, we started talking about UFOs and he said, you know, that's over the crazy line, oh. you know, and he made this big thing about the crazy line, the crazy line. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I mean, that is the story of my experience with Skeptico is having a crazy line and going, oh shit, you know, that I need to push that baby out a little bit further, you know? So I think that that process of figuring out where your crazy line is, is what we're doing. And I just, I can't help but wish that more people would do it because I think that's what's, that's what's lacking for this kind of truth movement, truth experience, you know, towards just a, a more fulfilling kind of understanding of, of these big picture questions. You know, who am I? Why am I here? What does all this stuff mean? You know, I, I think, I think truth can move you down that path. I don't know if it can get you all the way to the end cause I'm not there yet, but I think it can nudge you down that path. But I think the, the key word there that you said was experience because yeah, we're experience hearing, is a key for we're, sure. Cause we're hearing this from more skeptic people coming out now and having these experiences that are saying, wow, okay, that maybe this, the world isn't what it seems. So more and more, I think as time goes on, more and more people have these unexplained experiences that it, it helps open things up a little bit. Um, what it what we do uh we talked about this last time alex and i mean i admire your battle right you you get right in there with the skeptics and you you know you're you're not afraid to throw it all out there and i mean i i have i have a question for you about handling all the the blowback from that like you know they're they're pretty uh outgoing at uh, slandering people and all i mean how do you handle the the slander that you get from the, the hardcore skeptical community? Like, do you, do you follow it? Do you try and respond to it? Do you, do you just let it happen? You know, I, I did initially. And, and it was funny because I had somewhat of a baptism by fire. You know, when I first <laughs> did the show, I had within, oh, within a month, I had 250 reviews on iTunes for my podcast. Wow. 250 reviews. Okay. So now you can look at some of the biggest shows on there, which I am not, and they don't have 200, they don't have a hundred, <laughs> let alone 250, all of them negative, all of them negative, all from skeptics, all one star. So, you know, it, early on I was like, wow, you know, but in a way it kind of opens you up to just how, immense this problem is and how entrenched kind of people are. I think the situation for me and for Skeptico has actually eased up some or maybe even come back the other way around, you know, because one, 
skeptics have come to understand that I, I I'm yeah, initially they they're you know like he's Christian you know that that's immediately the tag they want to put on you you know Christian you know? It, it, I, I've had so many uh, I don't want to say uh, very skeptical shows about religion I am not a religious person in the least and I'm very very skeptical and very hard on religion and very hard on some of the religious fundamentalist people who've been on the show. And I think that has won over some skeptics towards skeptic and go, okay, yeah, that's pretty hardcore. So we'll have to give them a pass on that. And I think it opens up to seeing maybe where I see there is some commonality between being skeptical and what that can be, you know, if it's done properly and just being a dogmatic fundamental, you know, Randy, yeah, yeah, James Randy, uh, you know, puppet, you know, which is, hey, did you guys see, you know, I just published today an interview that I did with uh, Will Storr and a really great investigative journalist. He wrote this book, The Unpersuadables and all this, but he published a piece today on the, in, in the Telegraph on this kind of expose on Randy. And he did a great job. He really did a great job. But one of the things he just kind of makes clear what we've known, you know, people in the, in the other side of this thing for a yeah. long time is the guy's just a complete liar. I mean, he's just been, he just lies, you know, and, and it's somehow justified in this idea that the end justifies the means, you know, well, I, I, I have to lie to expose this and that, but like, when I was talking to Willie, told me this great story that that Randy had told him about that when he was twelve years old, he got this special pass to go into the library and uh, the, the the hieroglyphics uh, exposition, and you know, I mean, just this fantastic, just kind of craziness, you know, and not even close to anything that anyone would believe, and. He he's done so many of these whoppers in his career, and you'd think the critical thinking community would have called this guy on this so long ago. But you know that that's that's the other side of the kind of skeptical movement is they just become they just become exactly what they rail against. You know, fundamentalist dogmatists. And really, really sloppy thinkers. Well, and they're pretty quick to to call anybody in the fringe, you know, fringe community on any kind of lie like that. It'll discredit credit you for life, you know, if you get caught in anything like that. Yet it doesn't happen on the other side. That's that's true. Yeah, that just queued up in my podcatcher. I know, me too. I was just, uh, <laughs> I would have been right on that. Yeah, your uh, your interviews have been great. I love that last one with. Uh, the new the guy that uh, <clears throat> opened up that uh, new new uh, organization free or whatever Hernandez Ray Hernandez oh oh yeah like uh, oh man yeah that's uh, that's great we're gonna have to have him on and, and talk about that whole that's that's a great combination of all that you know consciousness UFOs kind of contactees that whole you know throwing the spiritual thing in there a little bit hopefully that'll that'll help out yeah uh, he is. You know, pretty amazing guy, as you're alluding to, you know, for folks who haven't heard that one. I mean, here's a guy. I mean, he's an attorney in Miami. Just straight up, he's an attorney. That's how he makes his living. And check this out. Imagine this. He's in his bed. His wife goes downstairs to take the dog out. 
she has to take the dog out because the dog is in its last days, can't walk, can't do anything, you know. And she goes downstairs and there's this orb in the corner. There's this freaking glowing orb in the corner. And she starts screaming, you know, ah. And he's like trying to blow it off, you know, he's trying to get his sleep so he can come the next day. She's screaming, she's screaming. To shorten up this story a little bit, she's a very religious Catholic person. She immediately tries to communicate with this orb and says, look, are you a demon or are you an angel? If you're an angel, heal my dog. (laughs) Heal my dog. My dog's dying. My dog can't walk. If you're an angel, heal my dog. Ray comes down some 10, 15 minutes later. The orb is gone and the dog is healed. Okay. He sees the, he, he, he actually sees the orb, but he sees the, he, he has various experiences after this, but this is just the opening salvo of this. He comes down, she's had this experience and the dog is healed. <laughs> and from there, he has just a series of just amazing encounters. He's a guy who was not looking for this. You know, he actually early on just, that stumbled across my name and emailed me and I have, so I can tell you that this guy was not someone who was seeking publicity or trying to spin a story or anything like that. He was somebody going, what the is this? You know, someone, please tell me, let me get a grip on this because it's so outside of you know, what I've been exposed to. And he's a really smart guy too. I mean, he's, he's got not only a law degree, but he had like a, the, the, the full scholar, academic scholarship to Stanford for his master's. I mean, he's a very, very bright guy, but yeah, he, he would be, you guys could really uh, do, do a great show uh, uh, with him, I think. And he's one of these guys that started off skeptical too, right? I mean, he didn't believe at all. It's not like he just bought in right off the bat. I mean, he had many experiences to to shift his uh, Is the dog still kicking? The last time, you know, I I don't know. I don't know on that. But the dog was, the dog was really old, you know. But the dog was healed. You know, the dog could walk around and run and stuff like that instantly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of healing, you 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 don't mind talking about your healing experience too, right? You did it on one of your your podcasts. Do you still uh, you still would you can you mention that a little bit? We've talked about you know we've had about four or five episodes on different forms of alternative healing. Yeah, um, I'd I'd be happy to. I, I don't know the whole thing, but but I'll tell you this: one of the interviews I did a long time ago was with a guy named Doctor. Bill Bankston, William Bankston. And he's PhD in sociology, I believe, at a college back east. Highly regarded guy in his field, you know. So here's his story. He's a guy who has always been interested in a little bit of fringy stuff, but pretty much sticks to his knitting when it comes to his work. And he's also a real careful kind of scientific guy. He runs across an acquaintance, this guy who says, I'm a healer. He says, I can heal people. He says, oh, bullshit. (laughs) He says, I'll tell you what, I have a connection. 
down at the hospital here. How'd you like to do a little test? Guy was fine. I'll do a test. So Bankston is the ultimate kind of scientist, even when he's just meeting people at a cocktail party or whatever. He wants to do an experiment. So he puts this guy through these experiments where these patients are coming to the hospital and he's just gathering basic information about these patients and seeing if this guy can psychically diagnose what's wrong with these people just by putting their name on an index card. And the guy is phenomenal. He's getting every one of them right. He gets one wrong. He goes back and the, and the, and the hospital says, oh, you know what? We wrote down the wrong thing. He really <laughs> had this other condition. So now Bankston is hooked. He's like, hey, what is going on here? You know? So he pursues this, takes it further. He starts finding out that the interaction between this healer and these people, even with him just reading them, these people are getting better. You know? Again, Bankston is a scientist. So his mind immediately goes, is, okay, what's the experiment? What's the experiment that puts this over-the-top, undeniable truth, you know? So he's got another friend. He's a university guy. He's got a friend at, I think it was NYU. I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's in the broadcast. And it's in your book, too, I think. Okay. And this guy, he goes to him. And he says, I want to do this experiment on healing. What's the best way to do it? Guy says, I got it. I do it all, all day long. We have, we have these rats that we're trying to work on a cure for cancer. And these, I'm sorry, it's mice. Yeah, okay? yeah. It's mice. And he says, we inject them with the cancer. 27 days later, they die. So these mice have been bred. <laughs> over and over and over again. We repeat this. This just works almost like a very sad and kind of unfortunate medical machinery, but that's the deal, and that's how we try and cure cancer. And he says, here's your deal. Have at it. You know, we'll set something up for you. You know, we'll do a cage, mice, inject them, see if you can do it. Thanks, this is great. That's exactly what I need. Sets it up. A few days before he's supposed to run it, his healer backs out on him. <laughs> so now he goes, what the heck am I going to do? Somehow or another, he gets talked into him, William Bankston, doing the healing on these mice. He says, I didn't know what to do. We had kind of gone over the protocol a little bit. I thought I, I, thought I should at least give it a try. So check this out, guys. He goes in. He puts his hands over the cage. And he does the healing thing. The mice get worse. Next day, next day, next day, these mice are developing these big ulcerated tumors, you know. And he's like, oh, man, I know these mice are going to die anyway, but what we're doing here is really cruel. And, you know, his buddy, partner, researcher says, hey, continue. It's an experiment. Let's see. I can't remember what is it, like fourth or fifth day. The ulcer pops. The mice are cured. He says, you know, at first I, I used to say that the mice were in remission. I was corrected and told that these mice were the first mice 
in medical history to ever be injected with this cancer and be cured. The mice are cured. They have no cancer in them. So this changed this guy's life. As you can imagine, it changed yeah. anyone's life. Yeah. And he's gone on, replicated the experiment many times, has some great stories in his book about what he's done with this and that. So, you know, for me personally, I had always said that if I ever ran into a medical problem, I was going to be that mouse in the cage, you know. I was going to see if this energy healing thing would work. And I have to say I was pretty blown away by what happened to me. And I was trying uh, – the the short story is I had these heart palpitations, which – Shouldn't be serious, but in my case, we're getting kind of serious. And I was trying a bunch of different things because I I had finally broken down and gone to the doctor doctor, which I just never do. I haven't been in years, but I did it. And through the wonders of Obamacare here in the States, I had this mix up with my medical insurance and I had to wait 30 days. And I said, well, shit, I'd always said this is what I'm going to do. So I did it. I found an energy healer that uses the Bankston method. At the same time, I made these dietary changes. And it's dramatic change for me. I mean, I'm totally back to the way I am. You know, it just when you have any kind of condition, I think the real sign of healing is when you forget. You know, I, so now I don't think about it anymore. Yeah, that's great. Wow. What what form what form did you get it was like Reiki or crystals or Bankston Bankston method yeah so it's its actually, own it's his own like kind of energy method that he so it's not really like Reiki or anything like that it's a it's I mean a, it's probably similar but yeah now now the the practitioner that I went with from E three in Chicago that's the name of their their group Bernadette Doran is the right, healer right. that I worked with she is trained and I have to take her word on it, that she's an expert in a bunch of these different techniques, modalities, as they yeah, say. Yeah. So she could do Reiki or she could do this, but she knows banks and that's what I wanted to do, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I did it like a, like a skeptical experiment, man. I was like, you know, she's like, well, you could do this. I said, I don't want to do any of that. I said, do I have to believe in this? I said, cause <laughs> if I have to believe in it, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in believing in anything. I want to be that freaking mouse in the cage, right? That, that mouse doesn't know what's believe. going on. That's right. You know, Bankston put his hands on that cage. Those mice, he didn't, he didn't interview them beforehand or give them any kind of little visualize the white cells in your body. And yet, and yet the placebo effect is a, is a, you know, it's a real phenomenon. So, you know, did you think about that at all? Like, what if, what if you, did you, did you think about maybe I should believe in this more? Like what, uh, I, I, mean, I, well, I did obviously, you know, and the, you know, the placebo effect. So we got to talk about that. Right? Yeah. I wanted to get into all these effects cause you have, you know, the experimenter, the, the decline effect, the observer effect, the placebo effect, like how you tease all that up, you know, apart. But just take that placebo effect for a minute because we all know about the placebo effect, you know. So I'm the guy who wrote the book, Why Science is Wrong About Almost Everything, right? What the – what is the placebo – what is 10% better than mystery mean, right? So placebo means we don't know what the fuck's going on there, but there's some mystery that's happening, right? It's some baseline we use. 
Because think about that. Think about that. We go. Someone was going to jump in and say, oh, no, no, no. The placebo is the mind-body relationship. Scratch that. There is no mind, folks. Our science is completely dependent on the idea that your mind is a product of your brain, an epiphenomena. It just spits it out. So your mind can't do anything. That's a fundamental principle of this absurd science as we know it. So there can't be any placebo effect, see? So we have these little kind of crazy little absurdities that we kind of dance through, just like we were talking about, you know, with Dan Carlin and like, you know, you can't, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't fit with this. Well, hey, it doesn't work over here. Placebo effect should not happen. There's no way to explain it. There's no body-mind relationship because there's no mind, right? But we still use it because we know that it's real. So we kind of juggle these kind of craziness and then we say oh yeah well that drug's good because it's 10 percent better than i don't know that that big question mark mystery called the placebo effect yeah uh, and then hey. the, the other end of it is that the if there's a placebo effect then there's a nocebo effect and right. when you're when you're playing you know shit on tv all night all these people are watching crap they're you know, everything's bad news all the time. You know what I mean? There's never any good news. And then people, right. more and more people are getting cancer. More and more people are getting this. More and more people are getting new diseases that fucking we don't even know about yet that you need a pill for. Well, and how much of that has got to do with, you know, just being run the, down the fear, all day? The fear and the fear and, you, think so? you know, yeah. it's not good to be stressed out and run down and, you know, all the time. Yeah. Very, very scary stuff. I mean, and that's why the, the, you know, the other aspect of this that, you know, it's fun talking to you guys. And I think there's an ease in this conversation that you can only have with people who are opened up to the conspiratorial aspect of this stuff, you know, because I don't know you know, all these crazy conspiracy theories and there are crazy conspiracy theories, but you know, unless you're open to really looking at and going down those paths, I think you're just closed off from a good amount of how things just obviously, obviously work, you know, because there are some, there is some nastiness out there and it doesn't take too much to see that all this stuff can't be totally random and, and happening just because it's happening, j- just for random reasons. There does seem to be of the, the, the obvious reasons of greed, of power, of control. Those things are in play. And unless you realize that and you're factoring those in, you, you, you just can't even begin to approach the story. Yeah, most of everything we talk about seems to come down to one thing. Money is the fucking root of all evil. Well, yeah, but and 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 that in turn it seems like a war on consciousness. Like Actually, whether we're talking about UFOs or psychedelics or energy healing or spirituality or or you know, any kind of fringe phenomena, it seems to be coming down to this war on consciousness. Actually, I was listening to a guy the other day that said it's usury. That's the whole problem. Oh, it, I well, suppose that's did I a chat you, for another show. Like, did I forward you that was, documentary? He was talking about numbers like 
even if you have zero debt at all, if you have no debts, even just by being a consumer and going to the grocery store and all that, 40% of every penny you spend is going to some form of usury along the way. And it was like half of your taxes yeah, are paying for your government's usury or interest on trillion dollar debts and all that fun stuff. There's a new documentary that just came out from uh, Yekra. I was going to forward it to you, Darren. It's called the Jekyll Island, the creation, the, the truth about the creation of the Federal Reserve. And it's mind blowing. Right. It's mind blowing when you go back and see the money changers and how we were forced into this debt based economy globally. Like That's this just isn't a just conspiracy theory. Graham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot that of that goes all the way back. That, not to get off on that because I'm not an expert, but you know, that goes all the way back. What I've heard people say, and they make a pretty credible case, goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War here in the United States. Is that you know one of the real primary drivers of that was that the colonies had this script, had this money that they could make, and England was coming in saying, "Nah, yeah, yeah, you, know, you yeah. use our money." Yeah, and uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I think that that. Those kind of things are in play. And then I don't know what you think, Darren, but, you know, there's a lot of people that have way enough money, you know, more money than they would ever need to have or spend. What's driving them? You know, and then you get into some pretty, pretty weird and bad stuff in terms of power and control. And and we see some of those things played out in, uh, in some ways that, that are, clearly documented. And then you bring the whole UFO thing into it, you know, and you say, okay, there's a wild card. I mean, what's going on with the people that have some level of knowledge or awareness of that, that they're not sharing with exactly. us, you know? Yeah. Cause those motherfuckers are trying to get off planet. They are off planet. <laughs> the secret space program, <laughs> that type of stuff. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a pretty deep rabbit hole. We could go down. Not for today, though. No, not for today. So uh, g- getting back to the skeptical thing, though, the thing that frustrates me, too, is that it's the control that they have over our, our, acad- our academia and uh, media and the scientific paradigm. It seems like it's overlapping what we were just talking about, like when you think about the bigger conspiracy thing, right? It seems like the science paradigm suits the powers that be right now, you know? ridicule everybody else and just leave us in this, you know. Well, especially with materialism and consumerism, it's pretty hard to deny. Like they need, it's, it's, we're dependent on growth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we and, break and that? Well, gosh, I don't know about how we break that. I mean, the, the, the first step, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's all about money. Darren, you said that. And I think 90% of this, kind of craziness that you see in academia that I think I've stumbled across and try and document in my book is really about money. It's just about people trying to advance their career, (laughs) you know, trying to get the next little rung a ladder and we've left out the little rabbit food for them and they just chase it wherever we go. So we could move the food over here and they would go over there. But right now the food is here and, you know, you better produce something that works inside this materialistic paradigm or else, you know, you're not going to get funded. You're not going to get the grant and and all that stuff's going to happen. Then the question becomes, 
well, who decided that that's where we were going to, you know, move the feed, you know, that we're going to move it over here or move it there? Who decides that, you know? And that's a question I don't have an answer for, but it's kind of an interesting, interesting question, especially when, you know, back to this point of it's an absurd idea, this consciousness thing, which I think permeates so many aspects of science. You know, it's not just off in this little corner. It right. crops up all over the place. Yeah. You know, medicine, psychology, definitely philosophy and sociology, all that stuff. But, you know, that's, that's hard to square, you know, in terms of how something like that, something that dumb, you know, that you are a biological robot, how that gets accepted where, you know, people aren't just raising up and just kind of laughing and going, well, that's just silliness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and, and I do think when you go back to who is making that call, I wonder sometimes, of course, you know, I go through the whole Illuminati and, and that whole conspiracy, but then I go, maybe it's systematic, you know, maybe it's just the system that we have that forces people to... To do, to do that, you know, it might not even be conscious at that upper level or at some of the upper levels, you know, it's just that that's what we do with money and that's how we keep things going. Everybody needs to keep their job, everybody needs to keep their grants, everybody needs to keep the money flowing so they're stuck. And you could personally have these beliefs, like I heard these scientists talking about UFOs today on the way here. And they're talking about how they know a lot of people in the scientific community that have these different beliefs, but they dare not talk about them in public or they dare not talk about them in, you know, in terms of their career. So you wonder, it's only a matter of time before these people start to maybe open up, you know, maybe a few more years, five or 10 more years. Hmm. Thousand more skeptical episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, I was going to talk to you about your 3.0 Alex, because that kind of gets into like, what, what can we do about this? Right. You're, you're, you are sort of leading, you know, the the pack in a lot of ways on, on really trying to, you know, you're communicating about this, you're challenging people, you know, it's something that, uh, that we don't really do at the same level as you, right? We talk about it all, but you really get in there, get into the nitty gritty. So what, what's 3.0, skeptical 3.0? Well, Graham, what I said on the couple episodes ago when I, uh, you know, launched the book, and I, I really do see that, First of all, Skeptico, it's nice of you to, to say and, and say that, you know, you see it as this kind of project. For me, it's been more of a personal project and a personal just kind of – and I think a lot of podcasters like yourselves, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but I want to throw that out there as a question, you know, for you guys. I mean, why do you do this? I mean, what what kind of drives you, you know, fame and fortune? I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's gratifying to hear that you connect with people, but really that's probably one of the reasons that I do it is because for a big part of my life, I was always like, you know, why, why is everyone, why aren't people talking about the important stuff? You know, it's like, you, you sit around and, and somebody, you're, you're watching TV and there's a show on UFOs, you know, and like, ah, you know, change a channel. Go, change a channel? Wait a minute. I got to know. Is that true or is it false? Because if it's false, if it's bullshit, fine, I can deal with that. But if it's true, we better leave the, leave the station on there. We got to watch that show. The same thing with the psychic detective show, you know, that comes on. It's like, wait a minute. 
Long Island medium. Is she real? Is she a fake? Hey, we got to get to the bottom of it. That's much more important than butter versus milk. You know, it really is. What's that? (laughs) Or storage wars. Well, I don't know. Storage wars is a pretty good show. (laughs) (laughs) I always, I don't know. I think I would overbid, man. I'd just be like, I know there's something in there, man. (laughs) Uh, Or gold, gold rush. Gold rush is mine. Gold yeah, is my I th- I heard all those storage drawers are all staged. Well, all, that's the problem. With the, that's the problem with a lot of those TV shows, even the psychic and the UFO ones. Like, haven't they had? They've had footage even in some of these UFO shows, and they don't even end up showing it. Like, they, you know, it seems like it's all part of a, you know, a plot that's supposed to be there. You know, so I, I, that's why I like podcasts, podcasts so much. And YouTube because, or the future, buddy. That's right. Yeah. You know, scripted, scripted reality is the phrase that I love. You know, so many of these reality shows have become scripted reality. And I think there's just an awesome, awesome parallel to what so much has become. It's certainly news is totally scripted reality. I mean, there's try and find the reality in CNN or NBC and that's just total bullshit you know so scripted reality they're just leading the charge you know gold rush is is leading the charge and and storage wars leading the charge in scripted reality man i haven't watched cnn or one of those news shows in so long it seems crazy you should do it just as a, you should do it just to see how how bad it creeps you out it'll creep you right out yeah, I should check that out. Do they have a web? I don't have cable though. Do they just have a website I can check out? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure you could. Yeah, yeah. They all. Do. But but I'll you, just you get do. hooked. I'll be on that no. shit all the time. No. It's, oh no. my god, ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ebola, you know. Yeah. But I think that's why podcast is growing too. Like you hear these. Uh, I've I've read these articles recently about podcasting and the phenomenon of it, and but they'd never say that it's because people are sick of the fakery of the fuckery and fakery of the mainstream TV. And it's like podcasts are more real. I think they're more real. They're, they're a lot of them, the good ones, the popular ones, you know, aren't fully edited. They're kind of raw and they're just intelligent conversations with people, you know, open-minded people. So I think it's going to catch on even more. And that's why going back to your question is that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because I like talking about this stuff and I like to have, you know, the ability to have a platform for people to talk about their experiences without being ridiculed or, or made fun of and really just exploring things with an open mind. I mean, there's so many interesting topics out there that you just don't hear about or talk about very often. Yeah, for me, it was more almost, I started because it was almost like it's like interactive. Like all I do all night is watch these crazy documentaries and shit anyway. So now all of a sudden, if I have a podcast, these people come on, they'll talk to me. Um, and then I can, it's like watching the documentary or listening to uh, another podcast in real time that I can interject with my own questions that, you know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes they ask the questions I want to hear, but a lot of the times they didn't. So, and then now, I mean, with the audience growing, it just kind of, it's like the farther podcasts go and the more your reach goes and all of a sudden, you know, the people you never thought you could talk to suddenly start to come into reach too. And it, it seems like it's just inevitable that in another three or four years podcasts are going to be so saturated that you know a lot there's a i think there's still a lot of people that don't really know much about them or not even close to entertaining being interviewed on them that are gonna you know the walls are gonna start coming down hmm. i think you're right and i can definitely relate to the first part of what you're saying there darren i, I that's totally 
my experience is that yeah I, I would be watching documentaries and watching shows and I'd be you know asking questions at the TV it's like no 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 what about this what about this you know and it's like I think that's that scratches the itch you know so podcasting you can get in there and and, and ask those questions and that's why I've kind of made that my mission too you know I, I, I don't really seek out trying to be confrontational but at the same time damn it that's what i want you know i still want people to ask those questions that we are all sitting there thinking about and not asking somebody has to ask them you know And I suppose the other end of that is all of a sudden you develop this community of of people that are along for the ride and uh, along the way you sort of develop a responsibility for them or, you know, to them at least that, um, you know, because like when we originally started, we had never planned on doing the show weekly. It was going to be, yeah. you know, we were, gonna, we were just going to come out with an episode wherever, whenever we want, you know, and now if the episode isn't out by Sunday, I'm getting tweets and. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the feeding the beast thing, you know, which is. <clears throat> you know, we're talking inside baseball here, but this is fun. I love talking about this stuff because I don't get to share this with many people. But I, I think that in a humble, small way, because Skeptico is still a small show in the grand scheme of things, but you do understand media, you know, you start understanding the need to, you know, feed this beast like these shows do. And you understand why they, they go downhill. It's because after a while, people just go, what the hell? I'm just get this shit out. You know, we got another episode next week. <laughs> Who cares? Pump <laughs> yeah. it out there, you know. And there's that pull. And I think early on, I, I kind of saw that. And I was like, one of my things that I play in the back of my head is, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of self-serving, but it's like, play the game, don't let the game play you, you know? And for me, the game is what you said, Darren, you know, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to talk to the people I want to talk to and get answers the way that I want to get them. That's the game that I want to play. So I don't want to play the game where I'm, you know, pimping somebody's book or just trying to reach for somebody because so I can say I got them on the show, you know, yeah, yeah. and but it's a battle because there is that audience out there and you do feel a need to kind of feed because they come at you, too, and, and they pull you along this thing, too. So they shape the whole thing. 
Do you uh, kind of a personal podcasting question here? Do you, do you end up with a lot of uh, interviews in the in the? I don't think you call it the can, but you had another the hopper. I think you used. <laughs> but do you uh, do you do you have a hard time juggling the you know your your current recordings with your releases? And do you ever get uh, get flack for hanging on to episodes too long? Anything like that? I do, and and you know I feel that like you guys are saying, you know, I feel that push, you know, and I have some right now that are kind of backed up and I'm like, God, you know, it's going to be embarrassing sending out that email to someone and say, Hey, remember that interview we did eight weeks ago? You know, <laughs> now it's up, but yeah. you know, by the same token, I want to kind of hold to a reasonable schedule that keeps me, you know, psyched to do more and not where I'm feeling like, it's a freaking job or something, you know? Yeah. And I think that comes through, right? Your genuineness on doing it for your own, you know, uh, humble reasons and not for some sort of superficial thing. I think it comes through and that's kind of, I think that's uh, what Darren and I try and do here too, really. We want to have a casual, we want to have a good time, casual conversation and not make it about, you know, that other shit. I think it comes through. I think it comes. I think you guys are doing a great job. I was telling you before we got on the mic. I mean, I am really digging your shows, and my only regret is I can't keep up with you guys. I mean, you're, uh. doing, you're doing so many great shows, and some of them have length. You know, I mean, I do usually about forty minutes. You know, you got like two hours, and I'm like, you know, gosh, I gotta skim through this on the, but then I can't. I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, that's a good question. Let me hear that. You know, it leads to the next one. So. It's, you got some great stuff. Oh, I love that one you did with, uh, I got to bring this up. I got to, you know, full disclosure here. That one you did with the crop circle guy, uh, Matthew Williams. Oh, yeah, Matthew <laughs> Williams. I got totally sucked into, you know, good learning experience. I have to take my licks, you know, take my, my, my shots. But I interviewed Suzanne Taylor, yeah, yeah. who crop circle enthusiast and documentary film producer, who made this big crop circle documentary film. And, you know, I went for it, man. I was like, wow, you know, crop circles, they have to be real and look at the science behind it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that's the other good thing about having this community. I don't know how your community is, but I get the sense from listening to you guys that you guys have a great community there in Gramerica. But, you know, they kind of straightened me out right away and said, hey, dude, you know, <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Look at Matthew Williams. Look at these other people. And, you know, I, I kind of went, wow, you know, I blew it, you know. So I, I followed up and I can add a little bit to your story that you guys did an excellent interview with Matthew Williams. Excellent, excellent interview. Really enjoyed that. I thought you really hit the points. He came across very well. He can be kind of a, a tricky guy and a thorny guy, but he came across very well. So anyways, I had this follow-up exchange with Suzanne Taylor after she came on the show. And then I was educated and came to the conclusion that <clears throat> here's the conclusion I came to. And then uh, I want to hear if you guys have kind of sorted it out since you did your show with Matthew <coughs> Williams. But the, the conclusion I came with is, you know, I don't have to know at this point if they're quote unquote, all man-made because a frick enough of them are man-made that it just doesn't make any difference. You know, if this is the phenomena that is like 80, 90% man-made, you know, then 
who's going to bother chasing down the rest? You know, the, the, the well has been poisoned and there's enough other genuine mysteries that we have to go worry about. You know, let's just kind of let that one just slide in terms of, you know, pursuing it too far. That That's my take on it. But uh, I'll quickly, and I don't want to hear what you guys think, but, you know, so I followed up with Suzanne Taylor and I, I really expected her to kind of fold her cards immediately, you know, when I just kind of hit her with some of the facts. And she didn't. She, you know, kept pushing back and was like, no, you know, it's, you know, why are you listening to that? You know, and she's really pushing back hard. And then it was like, it just didn't make any sense, you know, and she was not responding to the specific charges like, hey, this was made by this guy and here's how he did it kind of thing. Here's yeah. where you can see him walking on the, the path that he took, you know, and then she switches to, well, but those might be a fake. What about the Netherlands? You know, it's like, really, really, we think by changing a country now, you know, it, it's, it's all, you know, those are all legitimate, but we've proven all these other ones are fake. Wh- wh- how did you guys come down on that issue? I know somebody like that, funny enough. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> That's not fair at all. Well, I no, came no, down. Not, I heard you. I heard you, Graham. <laughs> I came down, um, Pretty close to that side. I mean, I would even go so far as to say that I would say a hundred percent. I was probably over ninety. There was a couple that I wasn't sure about. Like a, my, the one that intrigued me the most has always been what had allegedly been the response to Sagan. And when we talked to Matthew, for some reason, he seemed fairly sincere to me. And when he told me that he knew people who made that one, then that basically was the icing on the cake for me. And I think that even the older, older, simpler ones or whatever, the first ones probably had more to do with maybe religion or some other, something other than, than aliens or microwaves or, or anything like that. So it was just kind of the final, he helped me put the last few nails in that coffin for sure. Huh. And for me, I, I still, and I'm going to make a crop circle. Yeah. Fuck off. I don't know, man. I, I I feel like uh, I still feel like uh, I want to know what the mystery is. There, there's something mysterious still going on. So regardless of the amount of them that are man-made, there's some pretty strange shit going on in the field. So I don't know. I'm I'm I'd still like to learn a little bit more about it. I'm not totally done on the whole thing. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily all man-made like Darren does. But the other thing is uh, I did have this. This fear that he was placating us a little bit, that he was just like, he could be a bullshitter. I mean, he did come across sincere, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, but I did have that, that sort of nagging thing in the back. Like, what if, like, he's just completely playing us? But I mean, I, I, I think it's just great to hear both sides of that and to, to kind of come away, just learned. I did learn a shitload more about crop circles, so that was really good. And I really want to say before I forget here is thanks for the feedback. Like, it means a ton for you to, to uh, you know, to be listening and for the to positive feedback about the show. I mean, that's fucking huge for us. Oh, you're you're definitely welcome. It's totally, totally sincere, guys. And you know, it, it, just to kind of put a, a a cap on that, you know, I'm all for the idea. You know, so there's all these strange paranormal experiences surrounding crop circles, you know. And I totally believe that. But what are you going to do with it? It's like this poison the well kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like we know what it's like to try and push forward these ideas. 
And I look at it pragmatically and say, that's not something I'm going to be able to push forward because someone's going to be able to attack. I mean, this may be too militaristic, but, you know, someone could just easily attack me and say, boom, you know, this one's proven to be yeah. man-made, you know. Yeah. So now you look like this person who yeah, I don't want to look like. now everything else is called into question. Yeah, and I don't want to be scrambling around like, oh, yeah, but, you know, what about the – feeling that someone got when they were in the thing and they, they felt, you know, it's like, I mean, that could be, it could be the most important part of the experience, but at this point, how can you really push that very far? You know? Yeah, no, that's a valid point for sure. Very valid. And the, and the other thing I want to mention too is, uh, is what I like about your show as well is that you, you're not, you don't, don't have the ads and all that kind of stuff. You're not, uh, beholden to anybody, but your own you know, your own style. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here too, is we can have these long conversations with people and they're not interrupted by a million ads and we don't have any sponsorship. And we're really trying to just get that, you know, get that content out there, right? You can listen to a guy like Randall Carlson, who is our most popular episode. He's just got mind blowing research in all kinds of different areas and you can hear him chat for three hours. So that's, uh, that's one of the benefits I think we have as, you know, non-advertising and sponsorship podcasts. I think that's important. I think it comes through, you know, because you are beholding to somebody, you know, even if you're running some little, you know, audible thing, you know, kind of thing. It's like sooner or later, it's, it, it really has to be, I, I think listeners supported. It's a hard way to go because it's not a fair deal to the listeners. It really isn't. You're kind of asking them to pony up a, a little bit of a premium price. You are, you know, because you think what you can get, you can get 200 channels of shit for, you know, for a few bucks on your cable thing. And you're asking them to pay more than that. But I think people understand the value proposition. Yeah. You know, they understand that if these guys are really going to bust their ass Pull, do all the work that, you, you, you know, people can't even imagine all the work that's involved, especially the quality, the production quality that you guys have, the website, the YouTube. I mean, there's a ton of hours there. But I think that comes through. I think people realize there's value there and they realize that the only way it's going to go forward is for them to be a part of it. And yeah, yeah. people make that make that decision. It's cool. Yeah, I think, well, I think, honestly, I think that's where... I think I'd like to think that that's the future anyway, the future of, you know, media, at least anyway, it's going to get to the point that, you know, you're going to see, you see more and more films little, I mean, for now they're just small little indie projects and stuff, but they're getting funded by Kickstarter. I've, I've seen video games made it, but made by Kickstarter. I see, you know, there's at least a few few podcasts out there that that's all these guys are doing is podcasting and, and they're making their living I mean, some guys are charging for a premium service, but there's still a couple out there that are, are surviving solely on donations. And I really think, like, I mean, it's just a matter of time until they really figure out that advertising's a big fucking scam, isn't it? Especially at that level, like when you're playing the same oh, yeah. sort of sponsors every episode. It's like, okay, if I was oh, going to yeah. go to fucking Squarespace, I would have went there by now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think there's another side of that, too. When the whole thing comes around, I think advertising will be viable in a way that probably makes sense for 
you know, people like us, but I think it's a long way down the road, you know. I mean, if you look at the mature media, some of that mature media doesn't have to get really nitty gritty with the advertising. There's always that link and stuff like that. But, you know, there's people who do really good with YouTube videos, you know, and and that's a pretty, uh, it's annoying to me to go to a YouTube video and get those ads, but I know they're there. And, and that's, I, I mean, I don't know how everyone has different feelings about that. You know, it's also feeding the corporate beast and all that, but I can see that as a way that people can kind of make it, except that YouTube doesn't pay you crap, you know, but. Yeah, that's why we just kind of leave it off. Cause I, you know, I'm, you know, when I'm going through YouTube videos and I'll always, I'll find one and it doesn't have that ad and I'm just fucking thrilled. And I just <laughs> I like you. that the Grimerica show is like that when people come there and, you know, finally, maybe one guy goes there for the 50th time. He's like, you know what? I'm going to give these guys five bucks. But the thing is about the metrics, like if you look at it right now, it's less than less, much less than 1% of your audience. That's going to contribute regularly, say five bucks a month or something like that. And I, I think that's pretty consistent no matter what the audience level is through with a few people I've talked to. Um, but you know, if you could get that up to 80 or 90%, you wouldn't need five bucks a month. You'd need, 10 cents an episode, right? And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you get the same value for five or 10 cents from every listener as you get from your 0.1%. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, one of the technologies that was supposed to come along this internet a long time ago and hasn't is this idea of micropayments. And uh, uh. Uh, you're totally right. I mean, I think that would work, you know, if somebody said, you know, instead of kicking in five bucks, you know, will you kick in 7.2 cents to, <laughs> for real? You know, will you, will you do 7.2 cents for this episode? Be like, Shit, yeah, let's take 7.2 cents. Well, you know, you start adding that up at that 80, 90 percent and boom, you got it. Yeah, like I, wow, once I, I think it, once yeah. it gets simple enough or like, you know, you know, maybe it really needs something like Bitcoin to really take off. But when you can... When you can, when, you know, almost, you, you, when it gets to that point, it's like you could almost make it, it's a thing that comes with it. There's that fucking 1% a month charge or whatever it works out to, right? 10 cents a month when you subscribe for the show and it's just through some weird fucking algorithm and yeah, everyone, yeah. nobody cares, right? Yeah, what do yeah. I care if you take right. 10 cents out of yeah. my account every month? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. And, and maybe that's, you know, that's the... That could be where online goes down the road. Yeah, and I think I have a prediction about this this advertising bubble that, that's happening in podcasting. I've read a couple articles and I've heard a couple speak about it, a couple guys speak about it who do like daily podcasts and they're making a, a killing on advertising and it's all about this, uh, you know, your amount of listeners per episode kind of thing and then you have, you know, your advertising pays you, you know, so much for that, that time. And uh, I think, Darren, I think... Uh, you paying attention, everybody? Yep. Okay. Just want to get your take on this too. I think this is a bubble that's not sustainable and that these advertisers will soon realize that those download numbers aren't as easy to track as you think. People can fast forward through the commercials and people that download them don't necessarily listen to the episode. So I don't think that – I think this bubble of this this real high high dollar value advertising that some people are claiming that they're getting is not going to last. Everything's a bubble though. <laughs> you have any thoughts on that, Alex? I don't know. My gut says it's kind of the bubble the other way. I mean, you know, who watches the old dinosaur media anymore other than me and my Gold Rush show? Yeah. 
but I think I think this is I think there's value. I think you know the kind of connection that Gramerica has with its audience is eventually something that I think an advertiser would say, shit, yeah. I mean, if I can find a product that matches that, man, I'm all over that because these guys are connected in a way that, yeah, you that know, some stupid TV show. Yeah, that never will be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just background noise, you know, versus people are connected. Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Yeah. So, so do you have any other? Uh, do you have any uh, constructive criticism for us, Alex? No, man. You guys, I love the, I love the vibe. Thanks, I buddy. The, that's, I that's love awesome. the chat, and I, I love the. You guys are funny. You guys are naturally funny. I'm, I'm laughing my ass off. People are looking at me going, "Oh, that's what that's, is what is going on with that weirdo over there who's, uh, you know." <laughs> Slapping his knee. That's a side effect of our podcast completely. That wasn't our intention at all, was it, Darren? It was never supposed to be funny, but you just make it too easy, buddy. It's like fucking fish out of a barrel. Yeah. So, so Alex, what, uh, what's, uh, what are you going to do next with your, with your podcast? I think we, I don't know if we really addressed that fully, but I'm interested to know where you're going and where, people that are following you can go like where where do we how do we continue this battle and then sort of up up the ante a little bit well you know i the the shift that i made back to you you asked me that that question before and i never got around to answering it oh, okay good. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping I, no I, it's my fault i got sidetracked i'm off <laughs> talking to you guys but for me the, the evolution of skeptico skeptico 1.0 was me just kind of naively saying well wow you know I just, I guess somebody needs to go and find out what the data is here and report it. And I'm going to go find the data. I'm going to go talk to these scientists and talk to the critics and we'll have a rational debate and the data will decide it. Follow the data. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh oh, what I found is that it's not about the data, it's about all this other shit that gets in the way. It's about beliefs fundamentalism, orthodoxy, money, power, control. It's about, you know, all this stuff we're talking about. Why do these people go to the James Randi thing? They're against cults and they're against religions. And why do they go to these meetings where there's a 20-foot poster of James Randi <laughs> staring down? I mean, it's it's just like kind of, it would be hilarious if it wasn't so real. And yet they don't think they're being, you know, lead or, or any kind of mind control or anything like that. So that was Skeptical 2.0 is, hey, it's about this other stuff, you know, and we have to incorporate that in before we can really do it. But I think Skeptico 3.0, which is where I see the show going and where I want to go, is the community, you know. I mean, it is really cool to connect with you guys, but it is also stimulating, you know, to form these communities, to form these groups. And I have that with my, with my audience, with the Skeptico community. And I have that with people that I meet and respect who are in this field. And that's where I see the thing going is more collaboration, more deeper work on really getting into these issues more deeply. I feel like in a lot of the interviews that I've done, I don't know how you guys feel, but sometimes I'll finish the interview and like two weeks later, I'll, 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 I'll both 
one on one hand, I'll get what the person was saying, and on the other hand, I'll say, "Damn, now is when I'm really ready to dig into this with a lot of times some more challenging questions." You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, "Hey, where was he really going with that?" You know, I mean, that that doesn't make any sense given what this other guy's saying. So, what I want to do is try and get into those deeper explorations of some of these issues because all of these issues that we're talking about, you're talking about, I'm talking about are really, really deep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever worry about, about getting polarized with that? If you, if you build a community around this, do you, do you ever worry about becoming dogmatic in some sense yourself? Not too much because I tell you the, the, people in my forum and the people who send me emails and they don't let you, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there. There's a diversity of opinions out there and they kind of keep me pretty straight. You know, they don't let me get too far, (laughs) too far out there. It's like the crop circle thing. I am so grateful, you know, that someone was there to kind of rein me in and just slap me around a little bit. And I like when I change my change my opinion. I like when I'm wrong. I really do. I mean, uh, I, I like being proven wrong. I'm proven wrong so many times on things, but to me, that means that you know the 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 thing is still working. The process is still alive. You know, that's a step in the right direction for science, I guess. Ironically, as long as you're as long as people keep admitting they're wrong about stuff, then science is going the right the right direction. So here's a question. Now, from Skeptical 1.0, now all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, obviously over the course of quite some time, now we've got the book. Um, did, did you end up kind of where you expected? Where did you expect to end up to, to where you are publishing this book when you first started? Well, you know, the, the book, let's take the book because we're among friends here. You know, the book's just, <laughs> the book's just another another skeptico deal. Like I, I did the skeptico thing, like you were saying, Darren, so I could talk to the people I wanted to talk to. You know, you can't call them up and say, Hey, you know, I had a question. <laughs> you know, yeah. That doesn't work, but you can. And then as you point out, once you get an audience, you get any kind of audience, any kind of following. Now you really can talk to the people you want. You can, and you can kind of say, you can get out there like, and be more outspoken, which I take and have taken advantage of. And you can, talk to these people from Princeton, Harvard and say, Hey, you know, you don't know shit. You know, what about this? And that's fun. That is fun. The book is to me is an extension of that. Hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book, please go buy the book on Amazon. My publisher will appreciate it. The world will be better, but you know what? If you don't buy it, that's okay. Because I'm going to use the book to talk to more people, to talk to, different people that I probably wouldn't get a chance to talk to and to spread these ideas and learn more stuff, you know? So it's, it works. It's already, it's already, I can see that it's, that it's working for what I wanted to do for me. Right. So can you divulge some of the, uh, of your wish list of of guests that you want to have on that you're going for next or is that a bit too personal? Um, it's, it's not personal. It's just, uh, you know, like we were talking about before, I mean, I've had to kind of rein it in because you know, I'm yeah, sure you guys yeah, are the same way. You yeah. just get excited. You're like, Oh, I want to talk to you. Oh, I want to talk to her too. Oh God. I want to, you know, it's like, 
wait a minute, we need some kind of production schedule here. Yeah. We need to yeah. get these things out in some kind of reasonable way. So no, there's no uh there's no shortage of topics and uh people that I want to address. But uh, uh, you know, just for an example to kind of put some meat on that. Um the first interview that I'm really doing with this 3.0 style is this guy and gosh, I I can't remember Dr. Larry's name, but he's a homeopath. Okay. So here's something that I just always thought was total bullshit. Right. You know I mean? Homeopathy. Come on. You know, we diluted it down 10 times and that made it more powerful. You know, come on, total bullshit. Right. So we've done a pre-interview in the Skeptico Forum, and I've learned a bunch about this guy's approach and about, in general, where he's coming from. And I have a whole new appreciation for it um, in a couple of ways that we'll see how it plays out. But, but one of the ways is just in the same way that I talk about in Why Science is Wrong is just there's this absurdity that just until you really just kind of face it and go, wait a minute, that is batshit crazy. Your mind equals your, your biological robot. That is just stupid. And anyone who hasn't, isn't willing to stand up and say, okay, that is stupid. So let's figure out everything else. But that is stupid. Well, he's kind of making the same point about medicine. He's saying, no, 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 wait a minute. Medicine is married to the same materialistic model that doesn't incorporate in any of these other things that could be happening spiritually or interactively in some way, like we're talking about with, uh, you know, Bankston and and, belief or or, or Bankston with the energy thing. He's just saying there's a lot of big question marks out there. And if we're going to believe in a medical system that, a priori says that all those things are off the table, cannot possibly be involved in your health, in your solution, then he's calling bullshit on that. So he has a much more holistic approach. It's not like just take this little thing that's been diluted down a hundred times, you know. But so anyways, the the, the I'm, I'm, I'm excited about doing that. I don't know where that's going to lead because I haven't done that interview yet. But I'm excited about... I feel like I'm I'm at stage three to do that interview rather than starting at stage one and asking some stupid questions. So that's where I, I hope to go and I'll let you know how that goes. And maybe yeah, I'll, no, that maybe great. he'll be maybe I'll find out he's a quack after all. Uh, <laughs> well hey, homeopathy is another one of these things that just gets hammered by the skeptics yet. Hammered. Yet if you talk to people in your daily life, people that are actually using it. They, it works for a lot of people. So it, it, it's one of these things, again, like something's happening there and something positive for people. Something's working. Hey, you know, the, the, first, the first starting point, and this is what threw me off with the crop circle thing. My first starting point is that the skeptics are wrong. So whatever the skeptical position is, that's probably wrong. No, you know, sometimes it gets you in trouble like it does with the skeptical, with the crop circle thing. But it's kind of a good starting position. It's like the whole, oh, God, did you guys see the uh, CDC, Center for Disease Control here in the U.S., come out with this thing on autism, right? 
that so the whistleblower? The whistleblower comes out and says, Dr. Wakefield, I'm sorry your life was destroyed. Yeah, we lied. We cheated. We put this science forward that said that there isn't a link. And we knew there was a, we found a link in our study, right? So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I knew that was bullshit from the beginning. Wakefield is, you know, he's a gastro internal medicine guy and he has these kids and parents who are coming to him. He's just following his nose, you know? He wasn't out to submarine the vaccine industry. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that are just, just make you go, what the heck is going, going on? But I think more, more evidence of where, it, it, what, what, the way it related to me, Graham, from when you said, you know, the, the, like homeopathy, the skeptics really raise up. Whenever the skeptics really raise their voice so loud and start pounding on the table, you know, sure bet you can go the other way because they did it with the vaccine thing. They were just out in force. And why were they out in force? Well, what was the compelling need, you know, to get out in front of that? That was all about defending the status quo, defending Merck Pharmaceuticals vaccine. You know, do you think so? Well, I I think that part of it is about the herd herd immunity and all that, and they have this fear the fear the fear about what if we didn't have the polio vaccine, and what if what if what if what if uh, you know the herd wasn't immunized, right? So, but that puts it that puts it a. Oh, parents in a difficult situation. I mean, I know Darren's got kids, and it's vaccines is a popular topic uh, here sometimes. Hey, eh, Darren? Mostly just when we're, when my wife's fighting with people about it. <laughs> why? Why? What is? What does your wife think, Darren? Well, um, we don't we don't vaccinate. Oh my! What about the herd? <laughs> we figure the herd's vaccinated, so we should be okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, and well, and she likes to. You know, we're not ashamed of it by any means or anything like that. And we like to talk. She's not afraid to say what she knows. So, um, you know, she gets some blowback sometimes on the Facebook. We should forward that link, that whistleblower link on Facebook. Or do you not? We should. <laughs> I shouldn't be suggesting anything for you and your wife to do. Uh, that's a tricky one, though. It is a tricky one. But. I do understand what you mean, though, Alex. I mean, that, that is a good example, again, of, you know, this paradigm. One of the paradigms crumbling down. I just don't get as I don't think the human body should need, needs any help to, to get through. Maybe from time to time, but I don't think from, like... Every little vaccine that they I don't, give you. you know, yeah. I don't think you need to start getting needles when you're a baby to be ready for the world. Uh, well, well, you know, the thing that, that I think, my entry point into that is again this conspiratorial part of it because you know even even unpack what you said okay so graham goes well don't you think they were trying to protect the herd okay let's take that at face value who was trying to protect the herd who who was trying who made the decision that you know it's okay if x percent of these kids get autism because we have to protect the think of that decision. Who would have made that kind of decision? Some individual made that some individual doctor made that decision in, in, in his private, you know, quarters at night. I mean, that's some scary kind of control shit that 
I don't know if anyone made that decision, but it's not hard for me to imagine someone saying, hey, you know what? This thing really has to go down like this and take Wakefield out and, you know, put the study out this way. And, you know, this is the way this thing needs to go down. I don't know if that's how it happened, but when you look at it now, I mean, read the, read the whistleblower, read the whistleblower and read the, uh, you know, some of the, some excellent blog posts on that. But you know, this whistleblower, who did he blow the whistle to his boss, this woman who was the head of the CDC vaccine division or whatever, where is she now? She's president of Merck Pharmaceuticals Vaccine Division. <laughs> okay, that's a fact, right? Uh, so now, do we really, you know, well, there's a conspiracy. So, oh, but that's a conspiracy. You haven't proven anything. Do, do, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't need. I don't need a whole lot more than that. You know. Yeah. Well, and it seems like it, if it was really about that, then why does profit come into play? You know what I mean? As, as soon as people start making money, then it starts to seem shady. Yeah. Huh. Well, it's, 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 it's probably a lot of things, you know. It's like many parts of the paranormal, I, I think, are in parallel with that in that if you're stuck on trying to look for one answer, you know, you're, 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 you're probably not going to get there. So is it about money? Is it about some guy just trying to make a few billion bucks off of his vaccine and, you know, make a tiny little blip in Merck's quarterly? No, it's probably not just that, but there's some people that are probably motivated by that, but there's other people, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how the whole thing plays out, but I sure as hell know that we're not getting a fair shake in terms of getting access to the information we need to understand it in any kind of meaningful way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I do want to connect you with uh, Robert Wagner, who we had on about lucid dreaming. I don't, I don't know if I've ever listened to you uh, or if you've done a lucid dreaming episode, but I believe that we talked a bit about this before we started recording, but I believe that's going to be a, an area that can be scientifically studied a little bit better than it is right now. I mean, I think the worldwide lucid dreaming uh, <clears throat> study funding is like a million dollars or something for the whole globe. Like it's ridiculously low and it's totally underrated in the, the, uh, the evidence that can be gained by, by this, you know, you know, the people are connecting telepathically. They're pulling out relevant data from, from this and that. I mean, there's some really good stuff going on there. Yeah, you know we've we've done a show with uh, with Wagner on oh. Skeptico, and uh, the guy who interviewed him is uh, a guy who's been great friend of the show, and he's uh, a moderator on the Skeptico forum. And he's been a guest as well. His name's Andy Paquette. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, Andy, I mean, there's oh man, blow your mind. Uh, Andy has had these incredible dreams. And prophetic dreams, like, you know, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And he is so meticulous about recording these that he's compiled this amazing database with something like 
two thousand. I can't remember if it's two thousand or twenty thousand. I apologize to Andy, but just an enormous amount of dream, dreams that he's documented and created this huge database. So he's kind of our go-to dream guy. And uh, yeah, that I, I think there's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot in a lot, lot of other areas too. I mean, the whole near-death experience thing, which we cover a lot on Skeptico. Oh, there's so much more research that could be done there. You know, just just a tremendous amount that will ne- will never get done. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's an uh, that's an area we keep talking about, hey, Darren, about uh, getting into the NDEs. Yeah, we have we done an episode? No, I don't think so. We talk about it a lot, but I mean, it's just uh, yeah, it's it's just on that long list of potential shows that we want to do. Like you said, Alex, it's it is a never ending you know, uh, list of topics and fascinating guests to have on. Yeah, the rabbit hole well, didn't look so deep from up over there. <laughs> well, I think the interesting, you know, connection, one of the interesting connections for you guys is the UFO consciousness connection to the near-death experience thing because yeah. you, 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 it's undeniable. I mean, there's some kind of connection. And you guys just did the that great interview with Rick Strassman on DMT, which is, you know, again, once we get to the edges of consciousness, all these things start to overlap. I don't know if they yeah, uh, overlap. Yeah. I was gonna say fit together, but they don't fit together. They just kind of in a sloppy way <laughs> yeah. overlap with each other. Yeah. 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 Once you get to the observer effect, uh, the observer effect, pretty much all bets are off. <laughs> all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah. That pretty much throws everything out the window. Well, now all that shit we did, we affected it by watching it. So, huh. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> then you're back to the whole tree falls. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right Which, on. Well, is, is there anything else you want to say about your book, Alex, before we uh, start wrapping her up? No, no, no. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, I was just going to throw in that, that last part on what you said, Darren, is that that's the real question, isn't it? Is that if consciousness isn't this dorky, you know, mind equals brain, there's no such thing, it's an illusion, which is the dominant paradigm. Where it switches to is that consciousness is in some way that we don't understand fundamental. So matter isn't fundamental, but somehow consciousness is fundamental. Yeah. And uh, you guys just touched on that with Scranton, which I'm only halfway, oh. yeah, halfway you, through was... that one. But that's kind of blowing me away too. I mean, geez, where do you go with that stuff? Yeah, his he's that was fascinating. That chat with Scranton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his new book just came out. There, Point of Origin. Did I start that with the Scranton rap? Yeah, you did. Think... Yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> The office, yeah, that was. <laughs> Sometimes I listen to when I look back at the old episodes, I'll be like going through the intros, and I'm just like, ah, what was I thinking? That, yeah, that went on a little too long. I think <laughs> I was like, no, a for, for for people who got it like me, I'm just an office fanatic. I've seen all of those like ten times. It was just That's hilarious. A, that is funny. It was just hilarious. Uh, Electricity. Yeah, electric That's one of those shows I can can get can't get enough of. The Office, for sure. I can go back and watch that. That's like those old Arrested Developments. I can go back and watch them anytime. <laughs> well, we should start wrapping up then, Alex. We want to thank you so much for coming on, and uh, and we'll link to your book, of course, in the show notes. And 
I can attest that it was a, a great read. I'm going to actually get the book, I think, instead of... Yeah, yeah, we should have listening. it for our library here. Yep, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Alex. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll link to everything in the show notes so the guys can track you down. I'm pretty sure most of our audience is, is pretty familiar with your work over there already, but uh, maybe a few more we can send. That'd be great. Um, we'll just kind of keep the community going. We'll find another way to collaborate down the road. We ought to do... We ought to do some kind of roundtable sometime. I, I really have a have a idea for for how we could do that because, you know, God bless the podcaster. No, but I, I think podcasters they're they they learn a lot. You know, you guys have a ton of information that not a lot of people have because you've talked to so many people. You know, and I think it makes for an interesting dialogue when you. If if we get some people together and throw out an issue, you know, make it very focused around a particular issue, I think it'd fun. It'd be fun to kind of have a couple of different viewpoints about that, and uh, and really trying to wrestle some stuff to the ground. So, hey, there's an idea we can work on. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've done a few roundtables with uh, some other podcasts. Uh, when was our last one? It's, they're few and far between, but I've definitely been considered like it'd be fun to expand on some of them, right? Like go with mo- not just a few people get like an actual where you've got a few three or four shows on and yeah. batting around some issues. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great idea, Alex. We should do that for sure. Yeah. Like I'll you said, have to check those out. I haven't heard those, so that's cool. I'll, I'll check those out. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of podcasts that are similar to ours, like Expanded Perspectives is one that we do, and then... Uh, the THC, the higher side chats in San Diego, actually is uh, is another one that's kind of similar to our style. Yeah. Drunken Taoist, I think. Was the yeah, other we one. did a roundtable with them too. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Those guys are fun. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Alex. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll talk we'll to be you in touch. Right, yeah, have go. a good night. Welcome back to Grand America. That was our chat with Alex DeCaris. Thanks, Alex, for coming on. That was fantastic. Yeah, always fun to chat with him. Uh, I think we're going to look at maybe even getting him back. He's going to be our next round table, I think. Oh, yeah, that would be cool, yeah. I think we've we got to squeeze in the Grayling guys, too. Maybe we could do all that at once. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah. play it by ear, but we definitely got to get him back. It's always fun to, fun to have a chat with Alex. Um, one of the first podcasts we listened to. Yeah, definitely. One that I always listen to. Yeah, I, I listen to most of them. Sometimes I can only get, depending on the guest, sometimes I can't get all the way through. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Yeah, check out the uh, his book, too, uh, Why Science is Wrong About Just About Everything. Yeah, that's a getter. That's a getter for sure. That's going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. Um, But if there's anyone who's used to ruffling feathers and shit like that, it's Alex. So. Yeah, yeah, he, he takes it uh, takes it well. I don't know how he does it, actually. Actually, I'm... Um, 
I, I kind of getting a little bit more brave, I think, as we go along here. You are? Yeah, getting, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Coming around. Yeah. Coming around. Coming around. I'm coming out of a shell. It's true. We do that. That's what this exactly. does, right? It's a creative outlet, and you can't help but come out of your shell a little bit. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Big thanks to Alex. Um, thanks for listening. Review the show where you can. Uh, sign up for the Money Bomb, grabamerica.ca slash Money Bomb. Support our value for value. Spam Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M at grabamerica.com. Spam the shit out of Graham. And uh, I think that's about it, eh? We'll keep it pretty short and sweet. Graham's going to be at the airport in about 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's a 20-minute drive, so. <laughs> thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to pop, probably pop the next episode. It's going to pop out on Wednesday, I think. Um, I guess we're committed now. To try and get the word out there before Randall Carlson's webinar comes out. Um, just so you know, you can check out Sacred Geometry International for the webinar times. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, there are still spots open for January 4th and January 11th. And uh, I think we'll be tuning in. So uh, we, we encourage you guys to sign up. Yeah, that'll be great. And uh, also check out Randall Carlson's uh, YouTube work too. That'll be, uh, that's amazing. Amazing, mind-blowing shit. Okay, guys. Uh, have a good holiday. Yeah. Merry Halloween.
I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. 